This week, I had the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Anne Kennard. She is not only an OBGYN, but also fellowship trained in integrative medicine. She holds a bachelor's in nutrition science and is also a registered yoga instructor and herbalist. Dr. Kennard's varied and eclectic background allows her to give us a truly integrative approach to health and wellness. We talk about nourishing through foods and herbs, promoting health, mind and body and spirit. This week with fellowship trained integrative medicine physician, Dr. Ann Kennard. You're going to love this episode, so let's dig in. So welcome, Ann. I'm so, so happy to have you with me today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. You have such a lovely and eclectic background. There's so much that you've done. And I'm curious, how did you get into this space and how did you navigate, you know, all these different areas of medicine and rather maybe areas of spirituality and personal growth that you have entered? Thank you. You know, it really stems out of being, I think, a lifelong learner and being interested in a lot of things. And one thing just sort of continues to lead to another. So when I was in college, I was a pre-med person, but really interested in nutrition. And so I started with my bachelor's degree in nutrition science, and then followed that up with master's work in the same prior to medicine. And that really informed the rest of my career, how I was interested in well-being and prevention and not just conventional treatment. And so when I did my residency in OBGYN, that was still a very strong focus for me was the nutrition and beyond that, helping women with wellness overall. And that led me into my yoga teacher training and then into my integrative medicine fellowship, and then which led into lifestyle medicine, clinical herbalism, contemplative medicine you know, just kind of one thing led to the next. And it's a wonderful case of things sort of working out as they should, because when I did each thing, I didn't know how it would inform the overall picture, but it's left me with a lot of different pieces of expertise, which I feel all coalesce to taking care of women well. (laughs) I mean, you have so many components of, you really have all the aspects of all the things that I love. And I feel like I could just take you home with me and put you on my personal encyclopedia shelf. I love that. So I know that speaking about your background in nutrition, your background in Mm -hmm. culinary medicine, and Mm -hmm. your cookbook actually that is titled Nourish. I love the word nourish because I think it really it overstates the concept that food is not just about weight loss, right? Which is the way we tend to think about food 99.9% of the time in our culture, or even check boxes that we must hit in terms of health. When we think about food as medicine, I would love for you to expand a little bit on how you view food as a way to (laughs) nourish Thank you. Yeah, when you were saying that, it just makes me so sad that 
so often food is thought of as a punishment or a restriction or guilt, like all of these emotions surrounding something that, you know, when we look to nature, the the plants are so beautiful, you know, they have so much to offer in terms of color and nutrition and flavor. And what I love to do with food is really try to feel nourished, like you said. And and that includes a lot of things for me. It's not just the the food per se, but something that works for my life, right? Like I have two little kids. I have a one-year-old and a six-year-old. And so for me, part of feeling nourished is something that works for my family or maybe for another person, it's something that is affordable, but still nutritious. You know, you have to name what matters in terms of what works well to nourish your life. And for me, I love fresh local food that is prepared well, tastes good. Hopefully my kids will eat and really enjoying the process of all of that goes into, I think, a more positive feeling about nutrition rather than focusing on food as something that, you know, just doesn't feel as good. You know, as I hear you speak, I hear a lot of intention behind your words. And I think Mm -hmm. I'm always grappling with this idea of how do we reconcile real life, time constraints, Mm -hmm. children, finances, etc. With not losing sight of hopefully the big picture of why we do the things we do. And when it comes to food, for it to truly be nourishing. And Mm -hmm. I think the way you describe it is that it doesn't have to be all the way, you know, on this side of the pendulum or all the way there on the other side, but it does require intention. Like even if we want to be quick and dirty because we have children and work full time, I get it. Mm -hmm. We still have to be mindful of the intention. Otherwise um, by default, right? The, the de facto is that we're not nourishing ourselves the way we That's right. Because even if you have something that is nutritious, if you're feeling rushed and stressed, that's not a nourishing encounter, if you will, you know, with the meal. And this is more out of Ayurvedic theory and lineage. But one of the concepts that I really loved from learning about this was that we digest and emotions and we digest food also with attention. And indeed, more Western and conventional studies show that a meal that is eaten while distracted, uh, the stomach does not have as low of a pH, the digestion is not as crisp, perhaps as it could be, as opposed to mindfully taking a moment before a meal and focusing on the meal, there actually is a difference in digestion with those sorts of intentional practices. And for me, like you said, I work full-time. I have young children. Um, I work as a residency program director. For me, what works well is to make three meals a week-ish. I usually make a really big pot of a nutritious soup on Sunday. And we do a lot of leftovers with that. And that has allowed me some time and space to eat something that 
I've made and feels good and has local produce and not have to put in the time every day to do that because that's what matters to me. Yeah. And that speaks to uh, a mantra that I frequently state, which is you don't have to be perfect in order to be effective. So it can be three days a week or two days a week, Mm -hmm. whatever works for your life as a starting point and not necessarily daily. And I think that's where people get tripped up, right? Like this Mm -hmm. sense that they have to do it every day or they can't do it at all. And, and so then that's where we get stuck sometimes. Yeah. Progress, not perfection, because we can't do all the things, right? Like it can't be totally inexpensive, nutritious, taste amazing, like have it to where the kids will eat it, have it quick, you know, like all of those things, you have to pick the top couple to you and then make it work um, for your life. And for us, that means tolerating eating leftovers a few times a week rather than preparing something fresh every day. Um, I like to use the slow cooker, um, identifying takeout that works well, you know, that's fine. You can do that. And I want to just highlight something you said earlier, which is, which was something that I didn't know. I talk a lot about mindful eating practices, Mm -hmm. but I was unaware that in doing so the pH of the stomach actually Uh reduced. And so for, for the people out there, what that basically means is that the stomach becomes more acidic allowing for better digestion. So that is a really Mm -hmm. physiologic phenomena that Mm -hmm. is tied to mindful eating. And that doesn't take necessarily more time, but that takes more intention, right? So it means putting the phone away. For me, it's, you know, I used to just flip the phone over, you know, on the table. And so I was like, who am I kidding? (laughs) you know, that phone being there is still taking my attention. So now putting it even out of the room is a way to, you know, turning off technology is a way to not necessarily spend more time in your, with your food, but spend quality time with your food mm-hmm. so that you get the most out of it. You're extracting more without putting in more time per se. Literally more. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because the, the breakdown of the food is improved less heartburn, better digestion, really the the rewards of that simple practice are are many fold. It's fascinating. I know that in your training and also in your personal practice and passion that plants and specifically herbs are also something that you are intentional about in how you nourish yourself and the guidance you provide others. Mm-hmm. So say a little bit more about your experience with mm-hmm. herbs and, and why you're so passionate about them. Thank you. I loved training in herbalism out of all the things I've done. That's probably been my favorite. And again, it's this overlap of food as medicine. Herbs are just like little packs, a heavy punch of all those medicinal compounds in one thing. And I loved having additional information besides my conventional background in medicine and surgery as an OBGYN, because many of the questions that women ask, it's nice to have more of a options, if you will. I just think of it as, you know, I have like a buffet of options and this put a few more things on the buffet because a lot of the things that 
you know, we wonder about commonly, like, how do I feel calmer or have less or more reserve? Um, how do I sleep better? How do I boost my immune function? You know, like these sorts of questions are not well answered by conventional medicine. And I think there's a upswelling of demand for this kind of care. And personally, how I came to herbs was I was a little bit burned out in clinical practice. I was ready to learn something that was just fun and low stakes. You know, as a surgeon, I was ready for something that if I messed it up, it was not a big deal, <laughs> you know, and something that was able to spark creativity and joy for me and time in nature. And so I was just really delighted to start making stuff. It started out with teas, herbal teas. There's lots of fun things to make, like simple syrups for mocktails or cocktails, vinegars, which are wonderful on a salad or like with roasted Brussels sprouts. And I love this overlap too between herbal medicine and culinary medicine. For example, vinegars are very powerful at reducing the overall glycemic load of a meal, i.e. how much your blood sugar goes up and down. But it tastes great, you know? And so I can infuse some elderberries or apricots in some vinegar, roast Brussels sprouts with it. And that's a wonderfully medicinal food. Mm. Um, making medicinal honeys, um, syrups, whatever it is. Um, even skincare, herbal skincare is very fun. But it was an opportunity for me to just enjoy creativity and intention and some element of ritual and ceremony as I enjoyed these things that I had made and was a real nice break from being a doctor. <laughs> a lot of how you're, how you're talking about the use of herbs is really um, using the actual thing in the cooking or maybe even mm -hmm. in the skincare. I'm not mm -hmm. hearing that you're buying a bottle from the drugstore or even herbal, you know, lotion mm -hmm. on Amazon. I'm hearing that you're making these things. And I, as a conventional doctor, herbs freak me out. As a human, I use it all the time in my cooking. And it's very much part of my Middle Eastern background and, mm -hmm. and when I cook Middle Eastern food. And mm -hmm. so I use it that way. But I think when we talk about herbs, I think our minds always go towards the pill which can have, you know, as a physician, I worry about that. It can have mm -hmm. consequences, liver failure and, you know, interaction with medications. I really want to, you know, uh, illuminate what you're saying, which is we're using these herbs and spices even in food. Not which in is the way they were used for millennia. This is very a new idea to extract one compound out of a plant and put it in a capsule or now a gummy gummies are popular. Yep. And not I to say that, you know, worms, but you know, that. I yeah, I give my kid elderberry gummies, you know, if she has the crud, but you know, the traditional way of using these plants are like you said, like, Oh my gosh, they're so abundant in Middle Eastern food, just profoundly medicinal, but things that we think of as culinary herbs, right? Sage, parsley, thyme, rosemary, all potent antivirals, antimicrobials in general, 
thyme um, is a wonderful natural cough suppressant. You can make a thyme tea with honey. Tastes good. My little kids will eat it without fighting me, you know, and you know, that kind of thing. And so there's a, a place for, again, something that tastes good and is nourishing and is not just kind of popping another pill and moving on with a life that is unsustainable. When you think about the use of herbs, your personal use, you're a mother, a busy working female. Um, what are some of the, cause it can be overwhelming, right? There's so many out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you don't know what's good or what's, what is even what it says it is, you know, it's hard to know. Right. Well, in terms of the supplements that goes, that's for sure. But if we stay with your suggestion that we use it, you know, whole and as it was intended, what would be the, your favorites? Are there some that really stand mm-hmm. out in your mind that you're using these days yourself or that you're recommending to your patients that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah. No, thanks for that question. I'm thinking like, if I had to take three herbs to a desert island, <laughs> That's actually a much better question. If you (laughs) were to take three herbs to a desert island, what would they be? (laughs) Um, Let's see. So uh, chamomile is a very humble herb. You know, I think people think of it, you know, as as a tea, which it is. But uh, the chamomile flowers are so interesting. They have so many qualities that are very useful and they're they're so safe they're safe for very very young babies the elderly pets you know you just really don't have to worry about any safety components with it they grow really readily you know there's something i live here in california and the chamomile flowers grow and reseed themselves and they're beautiful and just very easy to to make your own which is fun The chamomile is very interesting. It's a mild calmative and so good for mild anxiety, even in small children. So like my daughter, easy to give her some chamomile tea or glycerite, something like that. It is a mild bitter. And so having some chamomile tea before a meal will increase the gastric juice secretion and contribute to enhanced digestion. It is also a very mild antispasmodic. So it's really nice for diarrhea or, you know, people just kind of have that um, spastic gut. So chamomile, I think is worth highlighting and is a wonderful herb. I think another one that I would take, uh, which has come into I think more of the public eye recently is ashwagandha. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, no one heard of ashwagandha until recently. (laughs) And then, and now I feel like it's everywhere. You can get ashwagandha gummies and everything, but I want to talk a little bit about it and what it does and doesn't do. um, Because I find that a lot of people just kind of take it and and don't know what they're going for. Mm -hmm. Um, Ashwagandha is Uh, an ancient Ayurvedic herb. It has a written use of um, history of use in India for 6,000 years. It's really lovely for for women that are 
just tired and wired, as my mentor, Dr. Lodog, would say. And they're kind of overstimulated in life. They're trying to do too much. They have dysregulated sleep. And it helps to regulate the cortisol patterns to where there's a, a, a more normal pattern, decreasing that evening stress, kind of that, that mental overactivity and allowing somebody to drift into sleep. Interestingly, there's a few um, smaller studies, but still relatively good quality, also showing decreased carbohydrate craving, probably because of better managed stress and mm. improved sleep, and also a um, slight improvement in subclinical hypothyroidism, um, low thyroid function. So a really interesting herb. I think it has a lot of very practical applications for the modern woman, especially uh, those that are in kind of that mid forties, uh, you know, starting to approach the menopause transition <laughs> type of person. They're in that sandwich generation where they may be caring for children and working full-time and also have responsibilities toward their parents. It tastes good. You know, one of my favorite recipes with it is to, to add it to honey and have some ashwagandha honey, stir it into your chamomile tea. It tastes mm -hmm. good. The twofer. And yeah, exactly. That. Uh, but again, to your point, like you need to know, you know, this should not be taken by somebody that is pregnant or lactating. And so it demands some evidence-based knowledge, you know, around its use. But nevertheless, I think it's a very powerful tonic. It's an adaptogen. It helps the body respond to stress for the modern times. That's one of the ones that I didn't grow up with. So it wasn't like in my, in my pantry at home, my mom wasn't cooking with it, but it is one of the mm -hmm. herbs that I've come to recently. And I really love particularly, well, to your point, because of the benefits, I think it's so apropos right now, you know, mm -hmm. what we need in terms of helping us just kind of settle in and unwind a little bit in terms of stress, sleep, all those things, but also because there is good data behind it. And mm -hmm. often we don't have that knowledge base for some of these things. And so as a physician, it makes it more comfortable for mm -hmm. me to recommend. Was there another one you had? I thought I felt one more coming. Let's see. It's coming into summertime. And so let's talk about, let's talk about hibiscus. Oh, I'm glad you said that one. Yay. I love hibiscus. It tastes so good. <laughs> it's readily available. You can buy it on as a, a tea or even Trader Joe's has dried hibiscus, like in their um, dried fruit section. Yeah, I was going to ask you, you know, sorry to interrupt. Mm -hmm. but since, no, you're fine. Since you're speaking to that. So like it's on, these things are on the shelf. Like where would you recommend, you know, I guess for yeah. hibiscus, you mentioned it, but where would you recommend, how do we, how, how would people go about getting good stuff? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. I, there's, well, with the chamomile, there's so many tea brands, you know, that are out there. It's, it's fairly readily available in general. Uh, there are several reputable 
tea, loose herb, and supplement companies. So a few that I use that I've found to be reliable, they harvest sustainably, the product has what it says it has, you know, all the things that you would hope for. It is affordable relatively in the supplement space. So for teas, I love the brand Traditional Medicinals and Yogi Teas. Those are um, medicinal strength teas to where if you take one tea bag and you put it in eight ounces of water for 10 minutes, you're going to have a medicinal strength cup of whatever it is, Mm. chamomile, lemon balm, hibiscus, whatever. And we'll make sure Um, to tag those in the show notes so that people know where to go. So it's mm -hmm. And I have no financial disclosures. I don't make any money from these companies. They're just reliably reputable. For supplements, Herbalwise, Nature's Way, Gaia, those are generally available at most natural food type stores over the counter and are well-priced and reputable. And if you want to make stuff, Mountain Rose Herbs is very fun and is an excellent company if you want to buy loose or bulk herbs or want to experiment with making um, skincare products, et cetera. They have all of those types of things. I wrote that one down for myself. Yeah, yeah they're, they're great. So let me take you back to uh, where I stopped you, which was hibiscus. Hibiscus is just this bright, wonderful flavor. You'll see it in Central America as jamaica and as agua, agua frescas as a drink. And that very deep red kind of purplish flavor denotes a lot of antioxidants, flavonoids, phytonutrients, which are all just fancy words to say that there's these um, physiologically active compounds that reduce inflammation in the body. In the case of that very deep red color, like uh, red beets, similar to red beets, increases nitric oxide production, which has a modest decrease in blood pressure. It is just fantastic tasting. And so what I like to do with it is a couple of things, either make a sun tea to drink iced in the summer. You can also, if you are a Starbucks shopper, ask for unsweetened hibiscus iced tea at Starbucks. Mm. And that is a nice option for a very refreshing drink without added sugars or anything that you don't want. So that's an easy way to get it, but it's easy to make at home. Just dunk the tea bags in, leave it on the counter for a couple hours and it'll be perfect. I also like to make a hibiscus simple syrup. And so you prepare a simple syrup in the usual fashion but dunk a couple of the tea bags in and it will make this deep red, beautiful syrup. You can add a tablespoon to a glass of sparkling water, garnish it with a little mint and it is summer perfection. It's also good for a um, cocktail. I love that cocktail slash mocktail. I I think what we'll do is uh, we'll also maybe put it a link in the show notes and we'll add to the newsletter, your recipe for the simple syrup, because I think that sounds lovely. I love all of this. I feel even for someone who's kind of lives in, in these spaces of food as medicine, it's your approach and is exciting. I hope that the listeners will 
feel reinvigorated, right? To, to view their food in a different way, in a way that actually has potential and opportunity to, to nourish both spiritually and physically. I think if we have more of these conversations, then people will become more likely and more apt to actually embrace it and take the little extra time. It's, you know, 10 minutes of seeping tea while you're doing something else. Again, I don't even think it's time, it's intentionality to take advantage of these things and view our food or our nourishment, you know, in general, in a different way, not as a chore, mm -hmm. but as an opportunity. Yeah, that that's my hope as well, that women feel worthy of this time and attention and self-compassion and that it offers perhaps a portal into just a little bit of ritual and time carved out because you probably could find a chamomile supplement I guess and take it as a pill and march on with your day but but I do think there's medicine too in the few moments that it takes to boil the water brew the tea smell you know the flavor coming off of it and sit down with it so you you know you're not burning yourself with the hot cup and that is an offering for the self to kind of an invitation back in as we are recording this i am in somewhat of a sabbatical um a pause from my clinical practice you know it's it's stirred up a lot of interest in my colleagues who are like oh you know how could you you give yourself permission to time <laughs> off. I think people are intrigued by that concept. And I think everyone can, you know, find a way to give themselves permission for that. But let's just say they can't. These practices allow for pause, you know, micro or mini sabbaticals in the day. I and love that idea, mini sabbatical. Mini sabbatical. And I feel like a lot of the reason why we're so damn burned out is because every moment is taken up by, mm -hmm. by something, right? And I, I complain about this, and yet I have a hard time drawing personal boundaries around what the phone offers me because I can check my emails in between stuff. I can, you know, respond to messages I also recognize that that is stealing away from potential to pause. And so doing or incorporating these little things, like if we can all take away from this segment, one thing, which is brew a cup of tea daily <laughs> and use that time, not only to offer yourself the benefits of a certain herb, but also mm -hmm. the benefits of the pausing to make that tea, to drink that tea that that little mini sabbatical can be really powerful. Absolutely. I think that whatever medicine is in the herb must be equaled by the medicine of the pause. That's tweetable. I don't tweet, unfortunately, but I don't either. <laughs> so, you know, there are again, your your background is so varied, so dynamic, and there's so much that I could extract from you. I'd rather, like I said, just invite you over for dinner and just, <laughs> you know, just um, explore your brain. And perhaps we need to have more conversations in future segments. I would love that. But I would love that. 
What would be one, given your background, Mm -hmm. what would be one thing that you like wish to tell people? What is the thing that makes you want to like shake your best friend by the shoulders and say, I wish you could incorporate this or allow this or do this? What is one practice that you think we're all missing out on right now and could benefit from? I heard someone say once, find what makes you sit down inside so that moment of like ah kind of inside it's going to be different for everyone but whatever that is for you take note of it and do it can I ask what that is for you I really love my Epsom salt soaks in the evening I leave my phone out of the bathroom and I I love to have that warm soak in the evening. It prepares me for bed and to sleep well. And that makes me sit down inside. It's interesting you say that. As many people know, my day job is to is a medical practice that is clinical nutrition and, and medical weight loss based. And recently I gave one of my patients a homework assignment to take a bath as many nights as she was able And of all the medications and dietary plans that I had prescribed to her, that was the one thing that did it, believe it or not. That was the one thing that allowed her to change her relationship with food. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, I don't want to end, but I really want to thank you for spending some time with me. I personally feel more nourished and serene as a result of this conversation. And I'm sure that that'll emanate to those who are listening to us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I love to be able to talk about these kinds of things. Yeah, my pleasure.